Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 395 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asked you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. I'm going to take you behind the curtain a little bit. When I was building this show, when I was drafting out the show, I had a laundry list of things to talk about. <laughs> we can talk about the Australian Open and how that's going. Draymond Green's return and does that change the 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 direction of the Golden State Warriors this year. Talk about Kellen DeBoer becoming the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, obviously being the successor or replacing Nick Saban after he retired. There's a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> and I realized if I were if I was going to talk about everything I wanted to, we'd be here for three, maybe even four hours. And I'm just, I, 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 I'm just going to spare you. I'm not I'm not going to talk about all that because that's crazy. So what this episode is going to be dedicated to is I'm going to break down every game of the NFL wildcard weekend because what was interesting about this weekend and what I started to realize and notice throughout almost every game is not only were there different storylines in every game or every game, obviously, but every game meant something different for every team. Obviously, the end goal is to hopefully win in advance, but each game and not only the game, but the outcome meant something different for different for both teams. And I wanted to fully break that down. And that's what I'm going to do this episode. So this episode is going to be solely dedicated to discussing the wildcard weekend and breaking down every game. Let me first start with the biggest shocker, in my opinion. And that obviously was the Green Bay Packers beating the Dallas Cowboys 48 to 32. I talked about this briefly last episode, but I myself need to put some respect on the Green Bay Packers name. I think what I was suffering from is what you see a lot of people suffer from, and that is they're so slow to get off their takes because they just want their takes to be right. And there could be a little bit of evidence to warrant your take being right but there could be more evidence or new evidence that steers you elsewhere and what do I mean by that going into this season I thought that the Green Bay Packers were going to struggle mightily obviously it's it's the Green Bay Packers are, are used to having a very seamless regime change from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, the, and that usually doesn't happen. You look at what's going on with the New England Patriots from, you know, Tom Brady to whatever they have now. Those are usually how movements and, and regime changes like that go. It's never really as seamless as Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love I thought that they were going to struggle, and especially when you look at and listen to the reports that were coming out of training camp. There were, it, it, there's always a cause for concern, in my opinion, when you have two drastic uh, 
vastly different reports coming out of camp. When you have some people saying that Jordan Love, no, there's not going to be a drop-off at all between jo between how the team looked with Jordan Love and how they look with – or how they looked with Aaron Rodgers and how they look with Jordan Love. I heard reports saying that Jordan Love has the offense running better than Aaron Rodgers did. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers did struggle uh, the last year of his Green Bay tenure. Some fault of his own, some fault not, but they were saying that Jordan Love is going to come and it's going to look great. And then you were hearing reports saying Jordan Love is struggling. He has accuracy issues and he has sense of or sense of feel for the field. He that that's off. So going into the season, there were a lot of conflicting reports about how this Green Bay Packers offense was going to run. Now, going into this season, you did think that the one calling card that the Green Bay Packers were going to be able to lean on was their defense. They struggled last year obviously defensively, but you thought with the names that they have that it was going to be a turnaround this year. And early into the season, it looked exactly how I thought. Green Bay struggled offensively. Jordan Love, he would get a lot of empty calorie yards. He did have accuracy issues. He did. The offense just didn't. It looked good, but he also had high turnover rates. It was just bad. And I thought, okay, what I thought was correct. Jordan Love is struggling. It's going to be a long season for the Green Bay Packers. But what I failed to do is I failed to incorporate the new data. I failed to incorporate the new information that we were getting about this Green Bay Packers team. To the point where I look up and I'm like, wait, are the Green Bay Packers really about to be in the playoffs? Like, in the playoffs? Over the last, what, I think seven games or something like that? Jordan Love has, a, has 20, I think, 27 touchdowns to one interception. The job that Jordan Love and head coach Matt LaFleur is doing with this Green Bay Packers offense is special, especially when you look like how or especially when you take into account how it looked in the beginning of the season. But let's bring it to current tense. Going everything about this game spelt Dallas Cowboys easy win. I think that's why it was so shocking. Because everything spelt Dallas Cowboys easy win. Dallas was undefeated at home. Dallas had one of, if not the best offense in football. Dak Prescott had an MVP type year. Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb kind of emerged as one of, if not the best, one-two combo in the league this year. The defense led by Michael Parsons and Dexter Lawrence, or Demarcus Lawrence, I apologize, 
were, was humming and had one of the best defenses in football. Deron Bland had, I think, the most pick sixes in the NFL this year. And Dallas took care of business at home. Now, there were some issues, like they did struggle with teams above 500. But all in all, when they're in Jerry World this year, they're undefeated. And on top of that, going into it, you kind of felt it was it had to be a shootout because of how good the Green Bay Packers offense was going into the playoffs and just how good this Cowboys offense was majority of the year. You, I thought it was going to be a shootout, but ultimately because the Green Bay Packers defense struggled mightily all year, I thought it was going to be a shootout. But ultimately, because they the Green Bay Packers defense struggled all year, I thought it was going to be, I'm not going to say an easy win for the Dallas Cowboys, but I thought that this they had the best path to at least making it to the NFC Championship. And one storyline coming into this, or going into this game, was... Can this be the year? I'm not one to believe in curses. I don't I don't believe in curses. But obviously in sports there is a tradition of curses. There's a tradition of this team is cursed because of this. This team is cursed because of that. And while I am not one to believe in curses, I do believe that your record is your record. And whatever we're talking about, your record is your record. And the Dallas Cowboys have struggled mightily when they get to the playoffs. And a lot of people attributed that to Jimmy Johnson not being in the ring of honor. And they thought that once he gets into the ring of honor, then the quote unquote curse is lifted. Well, he made it into the ring of honor this year. So I thought. Hey, if this whole curse thing is true or not, this is the year. On top of that, again, everything I said, the defense playing well, the offense be humming at uh, on, on, on all cylinders. I thought that this was the best opportunity, not just to make it to the NFC Championship, but to make it to the Super Bowl. But as we sit here today, the Dallas Cowboys... <laughs> Damn, it's crazy to think about now that I'm saying it. The Dallas Cowboys suffered their first loss at home this season in embarrassing fashion, 48-32. to And why is it embarrassing fashion? Put away, put aside everything that I just said. Put aside the home record. Put aside how good the offense has been, how good the defense has been. Put aside the big names that Dallas had. I think what is more most embarrassing about this is not only are you going against the youngest team in football or the youngest offense in football. Once Dallas got punched in the mouth, I think it was 7 to 0. It it felt like they they quit. 
I'm not going to say quit. That's a harsh word. It's felt like they were out of it at 7-0. to zero, Aaron Jones pretty much ran down the entire field and scored the touchdown, and it felt like Dallas was hit in the mouth and never really got up. And it, and it seemed like the offense that the Green Bay Packers was running, the masterful offense at that, was punched the Dallas Cowboys in the face and they could never recover. On top of that, just did have the two picks that Dak Prescott threw, one being a pick six. And what's worse about this loss, and what's more embarrassing about this loss, and I started this episode saying that each game had a similar theme. They had different themes, but the overarching theme of each game was kind of similar of from all the wild card weekend. Each team had something to prove. And for the Dallas Cowboys, they had to prove that this isn't the same old Dallas Cowboys of recent memory. Of course, we know about the Troy Aikman, Dallas Cowboys, the Michael Irvings. Yes. But of recent note, the Dallas Cowboys were trying to prove that this is not the same old Cowboys. The Cowboys that are really good in the regular season, and then once they get to the playoffs, they underachieve massively. Or the Mike McCarthy, that his reputation, even though he does have a Super Bowl win, his reputation is he struggles in the playoffs, especially when we talk about clock management, and especially when we talk about preparation. Because a lot of times, it seems like Mike McCarthy teams that make it to the playoffs are not prepared or not ready to play. And when I talk about embarrassing, the worst part about this loss is every concern, everybody that was like, just wait, like the Stephen A. Smiths or the Shannon Sharps, everyone that was saying, just wait, was right. Which is, I think that's the biggest reason why you see a team that is 12 and 5. And you're saying to yourself, this team needs a change. It needs to change their quarterback. It needs to change their coach. It needs to change their, their defensive coordinator. Off, They needed a change. I don't think they're going to get rid of Dak Prescott, obviously, but I, there's no way that you can pay Dak Prescott a huge extension when he keeps giving you games like this in the playoffs. I thought that a 12-5 and five team is safe, or their coach at least is safe from getting fired, but you look at a game like that and you question how can we continue to move forward with a coach that for the last three years – has not had his team ready or prepared to win a game in the playoffs. Two of the three years, they were at home. What the Green Bay Packers proved was they are prepared. And 
one thing I talk about, and I'm going to get to the Eagles in a second because they were the complete opposite. One thing I discuss a lot on this podcast is how important it is to go into the playoffs or go into the next phase of the season hot and how important and how dangerous it is to have momentum and how much of a, I'm not going to say Chico, but how much of a, as I'm not going to say Chico, but how, how it's such an advantage to have momentum going into the playoffs. And what the Green Bay Packers wanted to prove is just because they're young, just because they started the season poorly, just because, you know, Jordan Love is inexperienced in the playoffs, that what we saw the ending of the season wasn't not not just was it 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 wasn't just a fluke, but they can go into Jerry World and win. This was the defining game of the weekend. Because I think this was the one game that it was shocking to see or shocking to expect a different outcome. It was shocking that this outcome happened. Of course, I laid out every reason why, obviously, but it was shocking. This, the Green Bay Packers dominated at every level of the game. Jordan Love, 272 yards, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones, 118 yards, three touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs, 151 yards, one touchdown. Dak Prescott threw it. Pick, pick six. The defense was humming. The, 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 off, the Dallas offense looked lost the entire game. It's, and, and that was the, because I'm trying to formulate, that, that, was the, that was another shocking part of this, is how the dependables, that Dallas has depended on all year was not dependable. How Dak Prescott, even though he hasn't been a world beater against good teams, he his offense was dependable this year, or his connection with CeeDee Lamb was dependable this year, or Michael Parsons' play was dependable this year. And the fact that they picked this game and and that's also credit to the Green Bay Packers in this all in their offense and their defense because their defense, as I talked about before, struggled mightily this year. And the fact that it came to and that was another reason why I thought it was going to be a shootout because the Green Bay Packers struggle stopping anybody on the defensive side of the ball consistently. So the fact that they they look like the dominant team, you know, looked they were the dominant team in this game and as you look today obviously in in retro i mean the grand scheme of things the green bay packers go on to now have to face the 49ers and the dallas cowboys are left with more questions than anything like there's no way Uh, now 
again, I'm not one to call for a coach's job. I've talked about this before. If unless they really deserve for their job to be gone. But I'm not one to say, hey, he needs to go. You know, that's no. But what I will say is this. Unless there's an upgrade out there. Then, yes, you you I think you should keep Mike McCarthy. And there are up, upgrades out there. I mean, this is one of the richest f- f- coaching free agency pools we've seen in a while from Bill Belichick to Jim Harbaugh to Pete Carroll. This is a rich free agency market for coaches. So in a sense there, yes, I I, I can see you trying to upgrade, and I think Bill Belichick would be an upgrade for Mike McCarthy. I think that Jim Harbaugh would be a, 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 a upgrade from Mike McCarthy. I think Pete Carroll would be an upgrade from Mike McCarthy. But and, and the overarching theme is there, unless there's an upgrade, you keep Mike McCarthy. But I don't see with the coaching pool that's out there. I don't see how you can continue to have faith in Mike McCarthy. Not just because if you if you want Mike McCarthy, if you care about the regular season, or if you know regular season wins is what tickles your fancy. If you're Jerry Jones, which it never has, then yeah, I get it. Keep Mike McCarthy. But again, this is the third year in a row that the Dallas Cowboys just look inept. In the playoffs. Now, you can say one the one year that they lost, I think, by three to the 49ers. I get that. But most of the time, they've looked bad. And whew, congratulations to the Green Bay Packers for beating the Dallas Cowboys. Uh 48 to 32. That is such a crazy, crazy turn of events. Because, yeah. The theme of this episode, obviously, is Wild Card Weekend. But the theme of this episode is having something to prove. Each team had something to prove. I talked about that just now. I also talked about momentum. And how important it is to go into the season with momentum. Then we get to the Philadelphia Eagles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And the Philadelphia Eagles tried to do something that has never been done. Not to my knowledge, at least in the history of the NFL. And that is a team literally stumble into the playoffs, flip a switch, and win the Super Bowl. Another thing I talk about a lot on this podcast is tendencies. And the fact that a team builds tendencies all season. And it's very hard to build tendencies the majority of the season and then try to flip it or try to switch it towards or at the playoffs it's almost impossible 
And the green the the Philadelphia 76ers this season might be half to I've never seen a team collapse the way that they've collapsed. Which is is why you're seeing think pieces on how. Because a team that in the same calendar year, or no, last calendar year, was playing in a Super Bowl and had a lead in the Super Bowl. Also, you start this season, you go on, you, you have a 10 and 1 record. You go from that to ultimately losing seven of your last six games, including losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 32 to 9. A team, unless there's a major injury, which there really wasn't, unless there's a major injury, that doesn't happen to teams unless there's something wrong internal. Now, granted, ten and one, they they were ten and one, but they weren't destroying people. They weren't dominating people. The one thing that they were, the one thing that was their calling card in that ten to one record is they were finding ways to win. Whether that was comeback wins, and they had wins against good opponents like the Kansas City Chiefs, like the uh, Miami Dolphins, like the the Cowboys, like the Buffalo Bills, quality wins, playoff wins, or playoff team wins. So to go from that to one and seven in your last six games. With no major injury means there has to be something internal. But a lot of people was holding on to that hope. And a lot of people was couldn't come to the fact of the one in six going to the playoffs, Eagles. What was the same Eagles or one in five or one in six, one of those two? That was the Eagles that we had instead of the 10 and one. It uh, the collapse happened, it happened. People were people, it, it was so hard to fathom that this the Eagles team that we saw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was the same Eagles team that was 10 and one. Almost impossible to fathom. But that was the truth. When you looked at this game, let me go back to the Green Bay Packers and and Dallas game for a second. When Dallas was getting dominated, because they were getting dominated, there was a sense of, there was shock obviously, but there was a sense of, well, I could see it. I could see this happening, seeing as though, obviously, the in the moment, in the moment, not before, obviously, but in the moment, it's like, well, I did, oh, we did overlook how good this Green Bay Packers deep or Green Bay Packers offense has been. We did overlook how Matt, how great Matt LaFleur has been as a coach going into the playoffs. 
So maybe that was more on us. But watching this Eagles team get dismantled by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let me let me first remind you guys something. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers literally stumbled or they had to fight and claw their way to get into the playoffs. They're 9 and 8, meaning they just got in. We have lamented all season about how poor and how bad the NFC South was and how the NFC South no team should really if the format was different obviously there shouldn't be a team in the NFC South that make the playoffs but here we are so the fact that an NFC South team that even struggled to get in the playoffs dominated the team that was just in the Super Bowl is saying something now I hear a lot Super Bowl hangover, which is true. Super Bowl hangover, that is proof at this point that there is a Super Bowl hangover for both the winners and the losers. But this is different, which is why it's very hard to discuss this because I obviously us in the uh, us outside the locker room don't know what happened, but something had to have happened. Because there's no way that this team is the this Eagles team was the same team that was ten and one this season. But let's discuss this Eagles team that we saw. That one in five, one in six record coming into the playoffs was them. Their defense has struggled mightily all season. They couldn't stop a soul majority of the season, but it was really paramount uh, the end of the season. They fired their defensive coordinator midseason and replaced him with Matt, Matri- Matt Patricia. He didn't really make much of a difference, and I think that's also because it's very hard to learn a, a new system Literally at the end of the season. A lot of the people that they depended on, whether that's Bradbury, whether that's Boyd, they were bad. They couldn't stop the run to save their life. Even with Jordan Davis and and Jalen Carter, they couldn't stop the run at all. This team wasn't good. Jalen Hurts was, I will say that I do think Jalen Hurts played hurt majority of the year. Um, And I think that that definitely played a part in the offense kind of sputtering, but it, it just looks like there was a disconnect with this. T- it, this t- watching this team, it looked like you were watching a fractured team. It looked like you were watching a team that did not want to play with each other. When you have Dallas Goddard yelling, uh, I don't know if it was at Jalen Hurts, but it looked like how it was filmed. It looked like he was yelling at Jalen Hurts on the sideline. When you have Jalen Hurts looking just stone-faced, even though he that's kind of his thing. It was just a bad look. Yo, the I understand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were at home, but 
they dominated the Eagles. The Eagles did not look like they deserved to be on the field. Now, I understand A.J. Brown wasn't playing, but still. This is deeper than A.J. Brown not playing. There is something fundamentally wrong with this team. And I think that this this Eagles team has much more questions than answers going into the offseason now. I mean, because you thought getting Shaq Leonard would help. It didn't. Even though he wasn't supposed to be a huge piece, you thought that getting Julio Jones would help. It didn't. You thought that some of the uh, – Howie Roseman was getting free agent after free agent, trade after trade, uh, Georgia Bulldog in the draft after Georgia Bulldog, and it was such a ugly ending. Ugly ending. Now, as much credit or as much crap as I'm putting on the Buccaneers for – how they their road to the playoffs I will shout the Buccaneers out for they were relentless on both sides of the ball offense and defense majority of the season I talked about how Baker Mayfield has played himself into a a long-term contract he has been great for this Buccaneers team I'm not going to say he's been on the same level as Brady obviously I'm not going to disrespect Brady in that way but he has sort of rejuvenated his career. It's kind of hard for me to see somebody else taking what Baker Mayfield had to take with this team and, and not only making to the playoffs, but, you know. Remember, remember most of the – a lot of the defense – like requested a trade <laughs> going into the season. So the fact that you go from there to now playing in the divisional round is something to be commended. So shout out and yes, everything I said about the the Bucks are true. They did they are in the worst division in my opinion. Uh it they they stumbled into the playoff or well, they well, they won the playoffs, but there were times when it didn't look good. Again, they're nine and eight. So, but hey, all that I guess you can say in in some terms, all that that I just said doesn't really matter once you get to the playoffs. You got to win. So, but hey, man, as much crap as we're giving the um, we're giving the Eagles. I do want to shine some praise on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for beating the Eagles, like, handedly. It it was, man. I don't know. That's another thing that I was struggling with is trying to figure out who feels worse right now. The Eagles or the Cowboys? I know that was a topic on first take, but both of them have to feel bad. Obviously, no one wants to lose in the playoffs. Everyone's dream or goals and aspirations, especially if you make it to the playoffs, is to ultimately win a Super Bowl. But 
both of them, one loss is shocking. One loss is shocking. The 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 Cowboys' loss was shocking. I there was no avenue in which I could see them lose that game, especially the way that they lost it. And the Eagles one was kind of sad because they didn't they didn't look like they belonged on the field. And unfortunately, that's. Jason Kelsey's last game, he retired at the end of the year or at the end of the game. And he is a bona fide Hall of first ballot Hall of Famer when his time is up to be a Hall of Fame. Uh, I think pro bowler seven years, all pro six, I believe. One of the greatest centers in football history. Super Bowl champion. Jason Kelsey, which sucks that that's how he had to go out, but Jason Kelsey, he can still play. It's just, And one thing that people don't talk about a lot is there are times when you just don't want to play anymore. You know, things are... You, the, when you, Not everyone can be Brady. Not everyone can be Braun. Not everyone can play for 15, 20 years, especially when you're an offensive lineman slash center. And Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers in football. Was one of the best centers in football. And shouts out to him, even though I do wish it would have been on happier note, obviously. Uh, shouts out to Jason Kelsey for an incredible Hall of Fame, for sure, worthy career. It just sucks that the Eagles looked as bad as they looked. The next game I'm going to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. This game meant everything to the Miami Dolphins. Again, I understand that every team wants to win, and we're going to talk about this the Kansas City Chiefs in a second, but this game meant everything for the Miami Dolphins. Which is why I was in one in one part of my mind I was shocked. The other part I wasn't. The narratives or the I guess I'll say narratives at this time. The narratives going into this game, none of it was positive or beneficial to Miami. <laughs> My the 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 the, the storylines were Miami struggles against good teams, which is true. And that's that's nothing. It's yes, they're narratives and yes, they're storylines, but there is proof obviously when we talk about history as far as the regular season to enhance and and to draw or come to these conclusions. But Miami struggled against good teams. They struggled against solid defenses. Tua Tagovailoa struggles in big situations. And Tua's struggles in cold weather. All those storylines were going into this game. And 
automatically, I already thought that it was going to be a daunting task for the Miami Dolphins, seeing as though they were out six um, starters. But Miami needed, I'm not saying they had to win. Obviously, the goal is to win and lose, but they you don't have not all losses, not all wins are the same. So I don't think Miami had to win this game. They just had to be in the game. And when I mean in the game, they had to look competent. They had to look like they were on the same level as the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I don't know one person. From ESPN to Fox to social media reporters to podcasters. I don't know one person. I, it was even Dolphins fans. It was very hard for me to find one person that definitively felt that the Dolphins were going to win this game. And that's even coming off of the information that we got from the Kansas City Chiefs, how they struggled mightily all year as far as the offense. Their defense is good, don't get me wrong. They have one of the best defenses in football. But offensively, they just couldn't get it right. They, The relationship between Patrick Mahomes and the wide receivers, they struggled mightily all year. And... We talk about switches. It's very if there's any player in the history of football that can turn on a switch, it is Patrick Mahomes. But it, it just didn't look the 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 Chiefs led the league in drops. It just was by a long shot. It just if there was any game for the Dolphins to win, it was this one. And not a I didn't see a soul that definitively picked the Dolphins to win. And you talk about storylines, man. The storyline that this game could have produced would have been crazy. The game, this was like the fourth coldest game in playoff in NFL playoff history. Tua shuts off all the haters and shuts off or shuts or shuts up all the doubters and goes into Kansas City and ultimately beats Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Man, I could see the <laughs> the movies galore, man. I could see this would have been a very interesting episode if the Dolphins would have won. So obviously, you know they didn't win, seeing as though we're here. <laughs> But the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Dolphins 26-7. to And one of the biggest reasons why I started this segment with this game was uber important for the Dolphins is because everything that people thought of the Dolphins going into this game, they proved to be true. Kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. You had some people saying, oh, just wait. You know, the Stephen A. Smiths, just wait. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to they're gonna wet the bed in the worst moment possible. 
a lot of the concerns that the Dolphins had going into this game, they answered in a resounding yes. Tua was terrible. 20 for 39, 119 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And honestly, stats don't tell the whole truth because he he wasn't that good either. The, the team started drawing plays up in spite of Tua because they didn't trust his arm. The running game was neat, was no better. Raheem Morster had 33 yards. Tua was the second leading rusher with 25. And Tyreek Hill had 62 yards, and one of them was a busted coverage that he had to weave around a bunch of people. The Dolphins... look like kind of like the Eagles they didn't deserve to be in this game I understand cold is cold let's be real (laughs) cold is cold I have been on record saying that I prefer the cold over the heat because when you're hot you're just hot like there's only so much you can take off and you're hot but when you're cold you can put in layers you can put on hoodies you can put on jackets you can put on hats you can adapt to the cold so when you're playing in negative four negative five degree weather but the wind chill makes it feel like negative 26 negative 27 you're cold <laughs> there is no way around that that's that's when you have to be mentally tough that's when you have to mentally tell yourself it's not cold or mentally tell yourself we're going to get through this and you know what the the best way to sum up the play between Patrick Mahomes and Tua? Patrick Mahomes obviously had to play in the same type of condition as Tua. And this was extreme even for Kansas City standards as far as temperature and weather. But one thing that was was shocking to me is Patrick Mahomes played normal. Like, Patrick Mahomes played like there was not a wind chill. There was not 30-mile-an-hour winds. There was not – it was not negative – it didn't feel like negative 25 out there. He played like it was a regular game. Or he played like he did it when it was regular. And Tua looked – he looked uncomfortable from the jump. There's a, there's also been a stigma and there's also been a uh there's been a thing about dome teams. Teams that play in domes or teams that play in hot weather and how there is a disadvantage or they have a disadvantage going in the playoffs against teams that maybe play in colder climates or play in an outdoor stadium. That was another storyline that was attached to this game. And the Miami Dolphins proved them right. The Dolphins are not built for playoff football. 
especially when you look at the AFC. You got Buffalo. You got New New York slash New Jersey. You got Kansas City. You have Baltimore. Like, you have Cincinnati. Like, what what do you think you're going you're gonna play in the cold? And if you don't have the players, if you don't have the personnel, if you don't have the quarterback that can handle the elements, you are playing with one arm time behind your back. Hell, Cleveland. You might get lucky and get Houston. Might. Which is why I thought it was so... And that's another thing when we talk about the Eagles. I thought it was so vital and so important for them to get that home. That's what people were saying, too. It was so important for them to get home or home field. They they had to beat the Bills. Look at everything that the Eagles lost. They were number one in the AFC. Number one, they had a chance to be number one. Actually, they were number one in the NFC. They had home court advantage or home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And they ultimately squandered that and had to play a road in a tough environment in Tampa Bay, even with their record being what it is. Tampa Bay is still a tough place to play. And they lost. All the Dolphins had to do was win and they would be the two seed, meaning that Buffalo would have to go to Miami instead of having to go to or no, not Buffalo. Kansas City would have had to go to Miami instead of having to play in negative 27 degree weather in Kansas City, Missouri. Man. You know what's also an interesting feeling? After wildcard weekend for a lot of teams. I, there's a lot of teams that look especially how they lost or won and think there has to be major changes at at some very important positions. Like, I'm not saying the Dallas Cowboys should get rid of Dak. But what I'm saying is Dak hasn't proven to warrant another big deal. I'm not saying you have to win a Super Bowl. But you can't look one way in the regular season and another way in the playoffs. We'll probably wait until Saturday, you know, Saturday's episode to give my predictions about the divisional round. But this is a huge playoff. Huge playoff game, huge playoff moment for Lamar Jackson as well. Because Lamar Jackson right now is has kind of fallen in the whole Dak Prescott thing as far as incredible regular season. I mean, Lamar Jackson more like more than likely is going to win his second MVP, first player to do or win two MVPs before turning 26. But he's only, what, one in three in the playoffs. So this is a very important playoff for Lamar Jackson. The Dallas Cowboys are looking at Dak and thinking how I'm not saying get rid of him but there's no way that you can commit to him long term until he proves that he is a good quarterback 
in the playoffs. Same exact thing with Tua in the Miami Dolphins. Tua struggles with accuracy at times. Tua struggles with playing solid defenses. Tua struggles with interceptions at times. Tua struggles with arm strength at times. And Tua struggles in the cold. Well, look at your division. Forget the conference. Look at your division. Buffalo, New Jersey. New England. Cold, cold, cold. How can you... What what has Tua shown consistently that thinks that he is the quarterback that can get you over the top? Because trust and believe. Like, imagine... Somebody said that. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes had the weapons that Tua has. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes had Tyree Kill again. Imagine if he had Jalen Waddle. Imagine if he had... Devon A. Chan. Imagine if he had Russell uh, Jeff Wilson. Imagine if he had Raheem Morster. You think all that wide receiver issues would be happening with the or just imagine if Patrick Mahomes had the, that weapon, those weapons. Whether you played in Miami or not, we ain't worried about no cold. That is our. That is undoubtedly the best offensive weapons in the league and you only score seven points against a team that has struggled offensively majority if not all of this season as a Miami Dolphins ownership front office how do you how do you look and say yeah we have the quarterback of the future for sure you can't it's almost melp. I'm not saying get rid of Tua, but what I'm saying is there are going to have to be hard decisions and hard conversations made soon. And when you look at the draft, it would be it would behoove you not to ha- not to look, especially this year. This is a deep draft. When we talk about the quarterback position, and if Tua hasn't proven that he can lead a team to playoff success the last time he did that was the co- the quarterback of, he was Alabama's quarterback and even that Jalen Hurts got them there and Jalen Hurts got benched and Tua just finished the job so mm, let's talk about Kansas City for a second before we move on I have been I've been seeing what I've I've been saying what I've seen. Yes, I've been critical of the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm I'm only commenting on what I've seen this year. This year the Kansas City Chiefs have struggled mightily offensively. The connection between Patrick Mahomes and his wide receiver core just has not been there. The search for a number one receiver has been there all season. And I constantly talked about how the defense is great and how the defense can lead them to a Super Bowl. But that offense is not a Super Bowl caliber offense until they start clicking, if they start clicking. It was it was hard for me to see them start clicking because they haven't done it all year. 
But one of the biggest reasons why Kansas City Chiefs now, to me, is the most dangerous team in the AFC outside of the Baltimore Ravens is because it seems like Patrick Mahomes has found his number one receiver. It took all of the year and one playoff game, but Rasheed Rice looks like the number one receiver. Now you saw Travis Kelsey, who was still integral in the in the win, but it looks like Patrick Mahomes trusts because he he kept looking for Rasheed Rice. I mean, when you look at it, Rasheed Rice had eight receptions for 130 yards. Patrick Mahomes threw for 262. Mind you, this is a 30-mile-an-hour wind gust. Right now, the Ravens, in my opinion, is the best team in the the AFC from top to bottom. But when you have a Patrick Mahomes that has faith in a – number one receiver and you saw Travis Kelsey even though Travis Kelsey hasn't been great all year and he even did drop a pass in the game but he did I mean he seven receptions for 71 yards it's gonna be a tough out for anybody that has to play them and again we're gonna I'm gonna give my predictions on the divisional round next week or next episode but yeah Shouts out to the Chiefs for beating the Dolphins 26 to 7. Why did I say the Houston Texans had a shot of winning? I said that the Houston Texans had a shot to win because. A, you were playing against a quarterback in Joe Flacco who had an incredible story, incredible run, but turned the ball over. He was he led the league in turnovers since entering the league, I think in week 10. I also said that you don't know what you don't know. And the Houston Texans were not supposed to be here. C.J. Stroud's not supposed to be this good his first year. D'Amico Ryans isn't supposed to be that good of a coach his first year. A team that struggled mightily on all facets of the game last year shouldn't be this good of a, of or shouldn't have multiple units this good. But they're there. And being there, they obviously you have a shot. Well, the Houston Texans beat the Cleveland Browns 45 to 14. Complete domination. And CJ Stroud was the best player of wildcard weekend. 16 for 21, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. C.J. Strout 
he's gotten to a point where he is a super he is an elite quarter he is a top five quarterback right now you can make a strong argument that it's top three in fact you can make a strong argument that there's only two quarterbacks that i would definitively put over cj Stroud right now and that's lamar jackson and patrick mahomes she yes they were at home but you're playing in a dome so the weather doesn't really matter and you're playing in houston <laughs> but you're playing against the number one defense and we talk about game plans. I talked about game plans last episode and how life, you have a game plan and games. When you go into a game, there's a game plan. How are you going to beat the other team or how are you going to prevent the other team from beating you? And the game plan for Houston, especially going against them defensively is simple play man, because C.J. Stroud is one of the worst quarterbacks playing against man coverage. And when you have one of the best, no, I'm sorry. When you have statistically the best defense in football, pretty much, in the Cleveland Browns, playing man doesn't affect you in the slightest. You have Denzel Ward, you have Greg Newsome, uh, you still have... <laughs> Zaire Alex or Zaire Smith, you still have Miles Garrett. We it ain't no problem for us to play man. And you're out your top receiver in Tank Dell. Everything should have went or spelt doom for the Texans outside of CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's. Who I think is the coach of the year. And outside of defensively, obviously, CJ Stroud was the main reason why they won. It's when you make every right pass, when you make all the the passes that you're not even supposed to make, that it man. I understand, obviously, one was much younger than the other. And one was literally on the couch to begin the season. But it was crazy how different C.J. Stroud looked to Joe Flacco in this game. One thing that Joe Flacco has struggled with even though he's been ex- exceptionally well in, like he has a really good record in the wild card rounds. One thing that Joe Flacco has struggled with mightily um, majority of his career is interceptions. Now he had a really good run, obviously with the Ravens to make it to the Super Bowl that one time and ultimately win. But majority of his career, he struggled with interceptions and he threw pick. I don't uh, something else. I don't think I've ever seen. He threw pick sixes in consecutive drives, which is why I'm saying it's not all. This is a total team effort because those pick sixes busted the game wide open. Because it looked like it was going to be a shootout, 
at first. And then it was just two pick sixes game. It, it CJ Stroud's like, oh, okay. Let's I don't have to play a little I don't have to play loose. I don't have to play tight. Let's 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 get up. And the fact that they did this. Now obviously you take 14 points off the board because it was a pick six, but they did this. If you want to take 14 points off, they play, they scored 31 points against statistically one of if not the best defense in the league with a reigning MVP can or yeah, MVP candidate, reigning defensive player of the year candidate in Miles Garrett. And regulate him to being another player that didn't make any statements this game. It's incredible. Now, CJ Stroud and Jordan Love were going neck to neck as far as who uh who had in my opinion who had the best weekend. And I would probably say I would say CJ Stroud because of the defense that he went against. Even though don't get me wrong Cowboys their defense is projected to be good as well but the the reason why a lot of people were saying that the Cleveland Browns were Super Bowl contenders is because of their defense. And CJ Stroud carved them up. He's man. CJ Stroud is not supposed to be this good at least this soon. Which is really it that you know how much pressure CJ Stroud right now is putting on not just Bryce Young but the organ the the Carolina Panthers organization. It's not even pressure at this point. Let me rephrase that. How bad they look now. Now I'm on the I'm on the side of saying that Bryce Young can matriculate and, and, and or Bryce Young can improve. It's gonna take a lot of it's gonna take a lot around him, but he can improve. And I think that Bryce Young can get to a point where CJ Stroud was or is right now. But it's just the way that the Carolina Panthers played this year compared to how C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans have played and the fact of one made a trade to jump the other, it, man, it is bad. Man. That's, mm, that's kind of like uh, the Portland Trailblazers drafting Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. I understand it in, in in hindsight because you had Clyde Drexler already there, but uh, Sam Bowie wasn't. I understand that he was riddled with injury, whatever. But even at his peak, if if he was ever to get to his peak, his peak would have been nowhere close to Jordan's. Now, I'm not saying C.J. Stroud is Jordan, but what I'm saying is C.J. Stroud has uh, C.J. Stroud is a top five, to be frank, a top five quarterback in this league, and he's a rookie. Shouts out to the Texans for beating the Cleveland Browns. You know, 
Last thing I'm going to say before I go off of this is the Cleveland Brown, I think Deshaun Watson going into next season is going to have the most pressure of anybody in the league. Because not only are you getting paid what you're getting paid, not only we're not even talking about the off the field allegations, but you saw this team with Joe Flacco win 11 and 6 and made it to the playoffs. You have to be better than you, there, you can't be making the money that you're making and not be better than Joe Flacco. Like, you can't, can't. And I'm not saying you have to, you, I'm not saying you have to win a Super Bowl, but the Cleveland Browns have to look drastically different or drastically better, at least in the playoffs and they next year than they did this year with Deshaun Watson. Or, boy, you talk about think pieces galore. The, the think pieces were already going crazy with Joe Flacco playing how he's playing, and he was turning the ball over at an enormous rate. I don't think that there's going to be a player in the league. I, it doesn't even matter if Lamar Jackson doesn't make the Super Bowl, which I hope he does, and I think he will. But if he doesn't, there, I think Deshaun Watson is still going to have the most pressure on him. Not just to, I'm not saying to win a Super Bowl, but at least you have to have some type of playoff success. Because the way that this Cleveland Browns team looked without him, or with a quarterback that is, project, I mean, he was on his couch to start the year. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um, I guess I'll go to. I'll say arguably the best game of the of the wild card weekend, and that was the Lions beating the Rams twenty four to twenty three. This was the best game for a lot of reasons. The storylines were there. Storylines make sports. I don't know if, I mean, newsflash. Storylines make sports. People love storylines. People love to attach to a storyline. People love stuff like that. And you had Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit where he had a a very long and successful career. Not maybe winning, but Staz, he, he pretty much is every stat holder when we talk about offensive side of the ball, it has something to do with Matthew Stafford. Um, He was going back to Detroit where they had a tough time winning, but Matthew Stafford was setting all types of records as a Ram. And obviously he won a Super Bowl with the Rams after being traded or going to the front office and and requesting a trade. Uh, And then you had Jared Goff. That was playing his former team, the Rams. The uh, Jared Goff that ultimately did help the Rams make it to a Super Bowl. They did lose, but you know, it's the, the storylines with the Detroit Lions hadn't won a playoff game since 1991, or the or they haven't hosted a playoff game since like the 40s or something like that. It, it and and it was beautiful, man. You saw all the former greats. Megatron was there. Uh, Barry Sanders was there. You saw Detroit legends like Eminem and Big Sean. Everyone that represents Detroit was pretty much there. And exactly how you would want this game to go 
is exactly how it went outside of possibly if you're a Rams fan, obviously you would want the Rams to have won. But Matthew Stafford was incredible. 25 to 36, 367 yards, two touchdowns. Puka Nakua had nine receptions for 181 yards. He broke uh, DK Metcalf's record for the most reception yards in a playoff game by a rookie. Um, And Jarrett Goff, 22 for 27, 277 yards, one touchdown. And um, Amra St. Brown had 108 or 110 yards. This was a great game. Now, a lot of people are pointing to some of the officiating, which I do agree that some of the officiating at the end was definitely questionable to say the least. But this was such a feel-good game. And I also mean that is I didn't want – the, I thought the Lions were going to win because I just thought overall the team was better. But I didn't want to blow out. I didn't want the Rams to come in and blow out the Lions because they were not ready for the playoffs. And I didn't want the Lions to come in and blow out Matthew Stafford and the Rams uh, because they were just that good of a team. You, When you have, story li- when you have so many built storylines into one game, you want it to be a good game. And... It exceeded everything. I want to shout out Dan Campbell, man. Dan Dan Campbell completely changed the 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 makeup of this Detroit Lions team. The Detroit Lions, boy, you talk about if you believe in you talk about sports curse. You talk about just not. This franchise is 0 and 16. There was, there's really outside of a couple players, there hasn't been any goodness from this organization. And Dan Campbell completely turned that around. If you look, this team is a Super Bowl contender. I don't think I've ever, th- even Calvin Johnson is my favorite football player of all time to watch not one time did i think oh this team is a super bowl even with matthew stafford i saw this team going to super bowl not once i can see it with this team and that's because of the formula that dan campbell has incorporated with this team and it was a great game man again you can point to some of the officiating that i do think that some of it did sway how the game went at the end but this was a great game. And Matthew Stafford played great. Shouts out to the Rams. It, I think that I am interested to see what happens going forward with someone like Aaron Donald. I think that he has like maybe one year left in his deal, but he's kind of getting up there in age, even though he was great. Um, and Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford, he every year he gets like, 
battered and bruised, man. There was multiple times where they had to help him off the field, and he just went back for the next series. And Matthew Stafford has proven to be one of the most accurate passers in football, especially when we talk about passing angles and arm angles, throwing angles. He does it all. Uh and just shouts out to this Rams team, man. The fact that how no one had expectations for them, especially, you know, an aging roster going into the season. Uh, Cooper Cup was hurt. No one expected them to be this good. And a lot of people had them and a lot of people had them beating the Lions. I'm just glad that it was a good game. Shouts out to the Lions. The 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 new and improved <laughs> Lions for beating the Rams twenty four to twenty three. You know what this next game proved? The last game, obviously, we're going to talk about is the only one that we have not talked about yet, and that is the Buffalo Bills beat the. Pittsburgh Steelers 31 to 17. This game was previously supposed to be played on Saturday. On Saturday, but due to weather, no, Sunday, I believe. Sunday or Saturday, but due to the weather, they had to postpone it and push it to Monday. There was a huge blizzard, snowstorm. They got up to like three feet of snow. Uh, the field was clear when they played on Monday, but the stands still had a bunch of stuff. You had people throwing snowballs and stuff. It was a crazy scene. But you know what? This game, if you ever had a question of how important a quarterback was to a team, this game proved it. This game proved that if you do not have a quarterback, it don't matter n- nothing else. If you don't got a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Especially when you're going against a team that is very sure in their quarterback. I, of course, the comedy coming out of this game and coming out of this whole event was at the end when Mike Tomlin was at the podium after the game and pretty much was saying, you know, we didn't get it done. And then a reporter asked about or started asking about his future, seeing as though his contract is up soon. And he just left. He, he walked out mid, mid question. Um, <laughs> and I do think it is interesting or it will be interesting to see what happens with Mike Tomlin in the upcoming days. Uh, we talked about these last few episodes have been quarter or coach heavy. Because we've seen such a seismic change in coaching. I mean, Nick Saban. The legendary Nick Saban retired, and Kellen DeBoer is now the head coach of Alabama. Bill Belichick, the legendary coach for the New England Patriots, he, him and the Patriots pretty much parted ways. Uh, Pete Carroll parted ways with, or 
the organization parted ways with Pete Carroll as a head coach. He's now an advisor or whatever that means. Um, so Eric Spolster got the ex- extension. It has been a quarter or it's been a coach heavy few weeks. And one thing that I said about coaching is how difficult it is. And especially in today's game. And when I mean game, I just mean sports in general. Sports are different. Rules change. Players change. Rules evolve. Players evolve. And your approach has to be different. Or, like we talked about with Bill Belichick, sometimes if you're too rigid, you can get left behind. There is no doubt in my mind that Mike Tomlin is a is a great coach. Mike Tomlin is a hall. Of, Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach. Mike Tomlin is one of the best, greatest coaches we've had in the sports history. But when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers play, one common characteristic that almost every Pittsburgh Steelers team played or one a very similar characteristic that every Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin coached Pittsburgh Steelers team is there is a level of physicality. There's a level of readiness. There's a level of even if we lose, we're going to be in it. We're going to be physical. We're going to try. And there's been multiple times, including this game, that it looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers, for lack of a better term, quit. Now, I understand that T.J. Watt didn't play, and that was a huge factor, but when you miss so many tackles that they missed or just completely... And these are key players like like Minka Par- Minka Fitzpatrick, just completely like whiff on tackles, and then you have your offense sputtering. It's, it's it feels like Mike Tomlin has lost the locker room in a sense of there's it it kind of feels like they play. Or they they tune him out. It just seems like they just don't the, the things that, and this is no no offense to Mike Tomlin. It's just where we are today. It doesn't seem like they really take heed to what Mike Tomlin is saying. And I talked about the quarterback situation. I do think that a quarterback, Pittsburgh is a court. They're not just a quarterback away, but they are a quarterback away. I think that the person, some of the personnel has to change. At some point, because it's 
Pittsburgh is the definition, or Pitt, the, the franchise, especially with Mike Tomlin, is the definition of talent has a superseded character. And I, I just think that some of the players that they have, it's very hard to build character, or it's very hard because you know to to win in a team aspect because they're not really about team and it doesn't seem like Mike Tomlin's voice is being heard. And on top of that, we, the struggles of not having a quarterback just, just seeps through the entire team. When you see George Pickens upset and Deontay Johnson upset and Najee Harris upset and Jalen Warren upset. It's just. I thought because of the weather and conditions that Pittsburgh had a shot. But the fact that you turned the ball over, I think there was, I think they had like four turnovers. Let me check. Pittsburgh threw one interception and one fumble. And I think both of them were in the red zone. Shocker. Mason Rudolph ain't it. <laughs> Kenny Pickett obviously not it. If Mason Rudolph beat him, beat him for the starting position. Now, I am interested to see, because I do think that Pittsburgh would be a perfect place for someone like Russell Wilson. But especially when a team is already definitively better than you, you can't keep if you're going to make it all the way to the red zone, you have to at least go. You can't throw an interception and a fumble. And they got lucky because Pat Firemuth, he fumbled the ball. They just didn't call it a fumble. And for the Buffalo Bills, this, they are playing really well, obviously. Uh, Josh Allen is playing like a top quarterback that he has the potential of being, obviously. He had the longest run of his career. I think it was 52 yards that he, 52 yard touchdown that he ran. But the thing that concerns me is they keep losing key players on the defense, especially the secondary. They content, like they keep losing players, and it may not be able, it may not hurt you against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But let's see what happens with the Kansas City Chiefs. And if the Pittsburgh, I mean, if Baltimore beats uh, the. Texans, that's going to be tough. And even if the Texans win, that's also going to be tough. C.J. Stroud in a depleted secondary. But I will give credit where credit is due. This the Buffalo offense is is humming right now, and it is it is a juggernaut to try to stop. Uh, and and how Josh Allen is playing, how James Cook is playing, how. 
both tight ends, Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid are playing, how Stefan Diggs is playing. I'm very I will again, I'll give my opinion on Saturday's episode, but I'm very interesting to see how this Chiefs Bills game is gonna go, seeing as this will be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. Imagine that. That's crazy. That's crazy. But shouts out to everyone that was in the divisional round. Shouts out to the winners. Shouts out to the losers. Uh, yeah. And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. So get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, I've, I'm trying to get as many subscribers as possible. It definitely means a lot to me that you even decide to, to subscribe. Um, I conti- it's, it's continuing to grow, which I it, it's an honor. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend to subscribe if you like the content. Also, subscribe to the DSPs. Cause I understand that some of my audience only watch on YouTube. Some of them only listen on DSPs. No one is be- better than the other. I appreciate all of you guys. Please subscribe to the DSPs, whether that's Apple Music, whether that's Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, wherever you listen, please subscribe. It definitely means a lot to me. And also, please follow the socials. Follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily there. And that's probably the quickest place where you can reach me. (laughs) Just keep it respectful because I understand that not everyone agrees with what I say. Keep it respectful and we'll talk. We'll debate. I have no problem with it. Uh, But until next time, much love.